Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. On September 12, 2019, that's a Thursday. As always, we had a rough week last week. I'm not going to lie. In college football specifically, we had a we had a losing week last week um, with our picks. And I told you we are going to keep track of our record this year. I, I never lie to you, ever. We kept uh, track of our picks week one. And last week, kind of balanced it out. We bring our record this year to uh, three and three, so not terrible, five hundred, but definitely not where we want to be. Uh, we didn't quite get the traction we wanted, specifically in the USC Stanford game. Truly, did not believe USC was going to win that game, and they actually lost that game in the first half. If you watch the first half of that game and compare it to the second half, it's two totally different football games. I mean, USC looked like they were just outclassed and they were on their way to losing in that first half. And then I think it was like their second or their, excuse me, their last drive in the second quarter. That's when really things, uh, things really started to click for them, turn it around and they ended, they ended up uh, dominating Stanford and then crawling into the top 25. They are number 24 this week. And the, the, the LSU Texas game can't really get mad at that one. I mean, Texas, they were beat. They, they were, Clearly the inferior team watching that game. Joe Burrow, I mean, inserting his name already into the Heisman running. And it's still very early in the season. Just about anyone can still insert their name into the Heisman race. I think Joe Burrow is maybe not the favorite at this point in time, but he's definitely in that conversation. And still, I mean, you can throw about just any player in the country still in that conversation. You can throw Keaton Slovis in that conversation right now. A true freshman quarterback at USC, he looked phenomenal and I'm not going to do a complete 180 on USC uh like I I mean during this past summer buried the Lakers buried them and then we all know they trade for AD and all of a sudden they're they're right back up in title contention not going to do that with USC still kind of down on SC but less less so they are much improved Keaton Slovis looked fantastic why not throw him in that Heisman conversation still very early in the season um and he will have barring any unforeseen injury, will have played in, in at least every single game this season because he did play uh, in week one as well when JT Daniels uh, was hurt. So he'll have a shot. I don't think he'll win it, but, I mean, at this point in time, who who doesn't have a chance to win the Heisman? And then our other game, what was the other game we had? I think, oh, the Clemson game. That one was a, that one was a gimme. We have two gimmies this week because we got to get back on track, okay? Uh, they're all ranked games. It's nothing like two unranked teams or anything like that or picking like FCS schools or anything like that or, or FBS. I, was, I always, always, always get confused between the FBS and the FCS. I, I can never differentiate the two. But we're not picking like Missouri Valley Dance and Technical School. We're picking real games, but two of them are giving me. And one of them is like you're going to be disappointed. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be very disappointed. It's an absolute gimme. Um, and in the NFL... Had a strong week one. Went 2-1. and one, um, Very close. Very close to going 3-0. But we didn't. So we're 2-1. and one. Not a bad start. The same start we got off to uh, in college football. We're hoping to build off of that going into this week. We are going to be doing some week one overreactions. Because all the wise guys will watch the games on their Sunday ticket like I told you to. Or I hope you took my advice and used the Sunday ticket. Everyone watched all the games. And suddenly everyone 
is, is a wise guy. They, they know exactly how the season is going to play out. They can tell you exactly what happened week one and what that means for the rest of the year. And the season is over. And everything that happened week one is going to happen for the rest of the season. So we're going to tell you here at Crowd Noise, we are optimists and we are also realists. Do not overreact to every single game that, that um, went down in week one, okay? Because it's not going to happen for the rest of the year. We're going to tell you the, week, the biggest week one overreactions we have. That, And then we have the quote of the week. We have one that is a love-hate quote of the week for me. And you'll see why at the end of the show. So stick around for that. So we start off with our college picks for the week. Let's get right into that. Like I said, we are 3-3 three and three on the season. Going 1-2 and two last week and going 2-1 and one in week 1. Again, not terrible. You can make the playoffs in the NFL after starting 3-3. Three and three. It's not a bad place to be. However, I would much rather uh, prefer to be 5-2, and two, maybe 6-1, and one, or excuse me, 4-1, and one, right? Yes, I'm not... A math major, give me a break. I'd much. The point is, I'd much rather have a winning record than a 500 record. And so we are kind of cheesing it this week. I will admit to you, again, I never lie to you. I will never lie um, in any situation to anyone, not just to you. To I won't lie to anyone, but especially I will not lie to any one of you. Um, in my defense, I will say this. There are no barn burner games this week, okay? We don't have... LSU Texas we don't get Georgia Notre Dame just yet Uh, we don't have even the week one openers Miami and Florida we don't have those games this week so am I cheesing it yes I will say that but in my defense I don't have many options here I could have made things a little bit more difficult on myself of course but we want to get back on track and I think this is the perfect week this is the perfect opportunity for us to take advantage of these weaker games so here we go the first cheese match of the week number one Clemson against number not Syracuse now Syracuse was ranked last week and they got throttled by a Maryland they were absolutely embarrassed by the Terps it was really bad and they were kind of this really hurts uh, well me specifically because I have this this cheese game right here but it really hurts the ratings of ESPN because they were this was like the game of the week for them as far as like this was the the primetime game, I believe, because it was going to be number one Clemson. They're always a show against another ranked opponent, actually on the road. So this is in uh, the Carrier Dome. It was supposed to be a big game. It is now, it is no longer a big game as Syracuse was or were embarrassed. I'm talking, they were they were blown. I think they gave up 60, um, I want to say 68 points, maybe 69 points. Nice. And they did not get... Uh, obviously the outcome they were looking for. So this Syracuse game is, is our first cheese game of the week. Or Yeah, Syracuse game. I'm taking Clemson by 700 points. Uh, whatever the the spread is, take the over, please, because, I mean, Clemson's just going to dominate these guys. And I'm really going to talk more about last week's game or last week's Clemson game than I am going to talk about this week's Clemson game because they're just going to dominate again. And I picked last. I picked Clemson last week over A and M comfortably, not because I don't like A and M, which I don't. But that wasn't the reason why I didn't pick them. But because Clemson is just so dominant, there's really no other team in the country that I feel confident in 
competing with Clemson, maybe Alabama, uh, maybe Ohio State, uh, maybe even LSU. But again, that might be, we're talking about overreactions a little bit later in the show. That could be an overreaction. They did dominate a top 10 team on the road. But again, that still does not, that's how good Clemson is. That's not even good enough for me to put you in that Clemson tier. Beating uh, Texas pretty handily in Austin does not really give me even still that much confidence in you against the Clemson Tigers should they meet uh, way down the road. So I'll take Clemson uh, in a landslide. So there's our first cheese game of the week. We're moving to four and three on the season. Here's our second game. Now this is the only one that's kind of competitive. And even so, I'm saying kind of competitive. Uh, Iowa, number 19. Iowa at number not. uh, Iowa State. A rivalry game here. Week three of the season. Uh, We already get one of the... I mean, we get a rivalry game early in the year. Kind of like in a few weeks, we're going to get the Red River game. It's not the traditional rivalry game where it's played at the end of the season, like the last game of the year. Um, We get a little bit earlier... And again, I'm going to be honest with you. Again, the theme today is I will never, ever lie to you. I don't care about this game. I super do not care about Iowa and Iowa State. But the slate of college football games this week are really, there's something left to be desired. There's really not that many intriguing games on the the schedule this week. And so we're stuck with Iowa, Iowa State. Not familiar with either of these rosters. I'm never going to lie to you. I am taking Iowa because they are ranked. Um, Iowa State is not. And I am familiar enough with Iowa to know that they are a tough team in the Big Ten. In what I feel is maybe one of the more consistent conferences in the country, the Big Ten. Iowa can legitimately make a run at winning the Big Ten. Will they? No, but they could legitimately they can legitimately make a run at the conference. I will take Iowa this week. Maybe learn a bit maybe learn a little bit more about Iowa. Who knows? I mean we watch this game a little bit, uh, might learn a thing or two. It's not in Iowa, so we're not gonna get the third or fourth quarter wave, which is kind of disappointing. That's really all I know about the Iowa football program. Um so yeah, I'm gonna take Iowa in the win. This is kind of a blind pick for me. But again, the games this week are dog food. And now, speaking of dog food, the UCLA Bruins play the Oklahoma Sooners. That's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the ultimate cheese game of the week. I Am I disappointed in myself? Yes, am, uh, for picking this game. Am I ashamed? No. I'm trying to get back on track here, and I'm trying to pick a game that at least has some luster i mean ucla they stink but they're ucla right and oklahoma is fantastic they're a great football team so you have two big name programs or at least you have one big name program and one recognizable school so we're gonna pick this game who am i picking oklahoma not even this is even more definitive than the clemson game i mean not to say that oklahoma is better than clemson because clearly they're not but this is to say that this is a much wider margin of, of teams, I guess you could say. Now, in the beginning of the year, I pointed out this matchup, Oklahoma and UCLA, this, same, this very same game. I said, watch out for this game. This could be a trap game for Oklahoma, and this could be a potential upset. And then the season started, and UCLA decided to do their best impression of the UTEP Miners football program. They look 
horrendous. UCLA, I thought they would be much improved from last year. They are not. In fact, they are much worse. Um, Chip Kelly just looks lost and, quite frankly, disinterested already. They're bad. They are so bad. And this is this game is in the Rose Bowl. What a shame that the greatest college football stadium in the country has to be the home of this dog food pile of a team. It is just, it's really embarrassing what they're putting out there in Pasadena. And then on top of everything else, they're bringing in the Oklahoma Sooners. And what's even more humiliating, what makes me even more frustrated that this game is being picked this week is that I kind of felt preseason this could be a trap game for Oklahoma because I thought UCLA would be much improved from last year. Not the case. I'm taking Oklahoma by 7,000. Take the over in this game. There's your college football picks for this week. They're not great. I'm going to tell you right now. Again, I'm all, never going to lie to you. They're not. These aren't the best games we could have chosen. But we make do with what we have. There's not many games that are foreseeably competitive this week. So these are the games that we're, that we're going to choose from. I'm feeling 3-0. I'm feeling pretty confident. I think we can get to 6-3 and three by next week and have a 3-0 and week. It'd be our first 3-0 and week, maybe in the history of the Crowd Noise podcast because we did not take track of, of our record last year, and I don't know how much better our picks were last year compared to this year. Probably not much better. Probably, actually, probably worse. We're looking for 3-0 and this week. Now on to our NFL picks, where I'm already going to start uh, with a rant. It's going to be our first rant of the NFL season, and maybe not even our first rant because I kind of went on a rant last week about Thursday night football. So it's we're going to attach this to last week's Thursday night rant because it's another rant about Thursday night, and you're going to hear these for about the next 15 to 16 weeks or as long as we have Thursday night games because I hate it. I hate Thursday night football with a passion, and we get a dump truck matchup tonight. Their NFL... I think they're getting ready to kind of issue this out. I feel like they have a certain contract or something to wear with with the networks that they have to go, I don't know, two or three seasons at minimum, and then they renew their contract or whatever. Whenever that contract is up, we're not Thursday Night Football is done. And I, the NFL is telling you that right out of the get-go. We're getting tonight the two world beaters, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Wow, what a football game we have. They're not even trying anymore. I mean, this really isn't even almost intriguing. And because I'm such a masochist and I like to torture myself, we are picking this god-awful game tonight. This is the first game we're going to be picking. I don't care about this game. It's not going to be interesting. I'm not going to watch the game. I personally have no interest. I have no horse in this race. I don't have anyone on my fantasy team playing. And even if I didn't, I would not watch this game. It's not an intriguing game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the most boring, flat teams in the NFL. I've always said, I'd much rather be a bottom-feeding team, like just the worst one or two, three teams in the league, because at that point, you have somewhat of a future. You know you're going to have a high draft pick, and you're going to be able to pick or make the draft picks to build your foundation into the future. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of those teams that are in purgatory. They're not the worst. Are they as bad as the Lions or the Cardinals, who just so happened to play each other last week? Are they as bad as the Dolphins? No, not at all. I mean, I wouldn't say they're as bad as those teams. And that's worse. They're in a worse state 
right now than the Dolphins, the Cardinals, the Lions, whoever you want to put up there, maybe even the Raiders, though the Raiders are actually undefeated, so you can't really talk too much trash about them right now, um, because they're not going anywhere. They're not going to have a high enough draft pick to really build that franchise. They are just so flat and uninteresting. Jameis Winston, spoiler alert, not good at football. He is just not very good at playing quarterback. Carolina, I don't care about them. Every year, people try to sell me on the Carolina Panthers and how spectacular Cam Newton is. Is he a good player? Yes. Is he a great quarterback? No. Christian McCaffrey, um, he's about all they have on this franchise. He is literally the face of this team, and he's not intriguing enough to entice me to watch Thursday Night Football, specifically against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe if they were playing the Saints, maybe I would watch this game. And I probably would. If they were playing the Saints on Thursday night, I definitely would watch that game because that would be interesting. Those are two interesting teams, divisional rivals. This week, you have divisional rivals that are boring and, quite frankly, not very good. Are you going to look me in the eye and tell me that the Panthers are making the playoffs this year? No, they're not, especially in the NFC, which I feel is a little bit deeper than the AFC. They're a little bit more... Uh, they have more teams that are competitive in the AFC, I feel. The top teams in the AFC are better than the top teams in the NFC, but the NFC has more uh, parity. The Panthers are not even making the playoffs. We're watching two non-playoff teams tonight. I'm taking Carolina only because Tampa Bay is so bad. They're just worse than Carolina. It's not even so much that I like Carolina more. It's that I, I hate Carolina less than I hate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Please get rid of Thursday Night Football. Please, whoever is, if you're listening, please tweet this episode at Roger Goodell at the Thursday Night Football Twitter. I mean, we got to get, we got to start a a dialogue. We really do. We can no longer, as fans, stand for these, these, these lousy football games. And it's not good for the players. I've said this before in the past as well. It's not good for the players. It's such a quick turnaround. That's what makes the games themselves lousy on top of everything else. Not only do you get two boring teams uh, on the face of uh, this game. You get Carolina, who's not very interesting, and Tampa Bay, who is, um, like I said, they're just one of the most boring teams in the league. The game itself, when they play each other, it's not going to be competitive because it's too quick of a turnaround for these players to play on Sunday, and then you get like one day or two days of practice, preparation, and then the, and the next thing you know, you're traveling, and the day after that, you're playing. These games are no good. We have to get rid of Thursday Night Football, and we're going to continue these overdrawn rants every single Thursday until they banish Thursday Night Football for the rest of time. Now on to Sunday, where we actually have some pretty good games. Um, we get the Saints and the Rams. What more could you possibly want? This is, You know what Thursday Night Football is? This is the the bland salad. This is the where you, you when you go to like a steakhouse or whatever, and the lettuce is like soft. There's no crunch. It's like you're eating a green napkin. And then Sunday, you get you get the steak, you get that fillet mignon. I said it like that on purpose. Um, I have to clarify that because I think I'm not sure enough people know me well enough to understand that that was a joke. So I have, I have to clarify that. Um, this is the steak. This is the premier. Maybe that's their intention. On second thought, maybe we need Thursday night football. Maybe it's so terrible and so uninteresting 
It makes Sunday that much more fun. See, and there's always a bright side to any situation. I don't care how bleak things can be. Clearly, there is always a bright side to everything. Maybe Thursday Night Football is a good thing because it's so bad. It makes all the other games seem that much better. And we get the Saints in the round. This is going to be like the Super Bowl. Coming off of this Thursday night dump truck, the Bucks and the Panthers, and you're telling me we just got to wait two days? Uh, Friday, Saturday, and I never count the day. Whenever I'm waiting for things, I never count the actual day. You got to wait Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday you get Saints-Rams. Are you kidding me? Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe we need more god-awful teams on Thursday night football. Maybe we need a Wednesday night football. I don't know. We might have to start a dialogue on that. Saints and Rams. NFC Championship rematch. Definitely the most controversial game in my lifetime. And maybe one of the more controversial games uh, in the NFL. Maybe the past 20 or 30 years. And it, we're talking about... Maybe you think I'm overreacting here. The city of New Orleans wanted to sue the NFL. So no, I don't think I'm overreacting. This game was highly controversial, obviously, um, due to that non-passing interference. It is in Los Angeles. It is in the Coliseum. Look, um, we might have a pretty rough week in uh, picking games, only because these games are so closely competitive, other than the Thursday night game. We're, we don't even count that. But you have the Saints and the Rams, and then our next game is the Eagles and the Falcons. Uh, just wait on that one. These games are so well-balanced that it's hard for me to pick in good faith, any one of these teams. The Saints looked pretty good last week again on Monday night. And I say pretty good because they weren't dominant, but in their defense, they were playing the Houston Texans. It was a very close game. Very uh, exciting game. That was a fun game to watch. Um, so they didn't look overly dominant, but that could be because of their level of competition. The Rams, however, did not look very impressive. Uh, they were on the road in Carolina, who's very exciting. Um, Carolina is a good team. As much as I've just bagged on them, they're a good team. They're not, they're not fun, but they are a respectable team. Uh, especially week one, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, you're playing on the road. That's a pretty tough turnaround. I feel like the Saints are going to win this football game only because just to save face, this is, this is their redemption game. Um, there's going to be so much riding on this game for them emotionally. I think the Rams personally don't care because um, they don't. Why should they care? They won. They were the beneficiary of this, of one of the most famous non-calls in NFL history. They don't care. This game means absolutely nothing to the Rams. Um, I think the Saints are going to win this game. Uh, they pulled through for me last week against Houston with a last-second Drew Brees, a classic fourth-quarter drive to win the game. They set up their kicker to ultimately walk walk the game off and, and uh, hit the game winner. Uh, I'm taking the Saints again this week. I think they're just going to come with a different level of focus and a different level of motivation. And the Rams, not so much that they're going to be overlooking the Saints, but I just think they're not going to take this game nearly as seriously as New Orleans. How can they? It'd be kind of arrogant of them if they took this game as seriously as New Orleans did. It'd be a little bit conceited of them for them to be as motivated as New Orleans after they were just flat out hosed. I mean, they were just just I mean, the Saints it's almost destroyed the Saints franchise. Really it really ripped through the city of New Orleans. Like I said, they threatened to sue the National Football League 
I mean, this was one of the worst things that could have ever happened in New Orleans Saints football history. So I think it would be pretty arrogant of the Rams if they came in as motivated and as ready as the Saints. And I think the Saints are going to win um, week two. That's a uh, afternoon game. It's not not, uh, the first game of the day. It's like uh, the second time slot on Sunday. And then finally, our third game here. We have, it's a Sunday night game, so it will be nationally televised. Uh, The Eagles in Atlanta against the Falcons. Now, this one seems pretty interesting. It seems like that on paper. You get the Eagles, you get the Falcons. Falcons, a few years removed from a Super Bowl. Eagles, a few years removed from a Super Bowl. This game should be exciting, right? Yes, but actually no. I do think there will be scores in this game. I do think it will be a fast-paced game. However, I do feel like Philadelphia is going to comfortably win this game. I don't think it'll be a tough test for Philadelphia. I'd, they came out slow last week in the first half and to Washington. And I was watching that game thinking, oh no, what is going on? Because they were just flat out dominated in that first half. It really wasn't even close. And it was not entertaining. They looked bad on both ends of the ball. And then halftime happened and they looked like an entirely different team. It was kind of remarkable how quick of a turnaround and how drastic of a turnaround uh, the Philadelphia Eagles made at halftime. They look like a completely different team. This was the Philadelphia Eagles team that I was expecting to see right out of the gates. I don't think they'll have that problem in the first half of this game. I think that was more so them just kind of shaking off that last bit of rust from preseason and the offseason, and they're ready to go. Atlanta, I feel, was just flat out beaten last week. They were the the inferior team. Philadelphia got out to a slow start, and they weren't quite ready to start the season. They waited about half an hour, the first half of the game, and then they were ready to go in the second half, and they just dominated Washington. Atlanta did not look good because I feel like they they are not very good. I feel like they, they showed us who they are. I don't think it was a fluke game. I don't think they started off slow. I think they started off how they were going to start off. And Minnesota, like I said, I picked them to win the division last week. They are a very good team, dominated Atlanta for four quarters. It was really not even competitive. Um, I think this game will be closer. I think Atlanta will play this game a little with a little bit more motivation. It's their home opener. They were embarrassed last week. They will keep it close, but I do like, like I do feel like Philadelphia will win this game by at least 10, 14 points, which isn't it's it's not a blowout, but it is a comfortable win, which is what I expect for Philadelphia. Even on the road, they will move to 2-0 and on the season. So there are your uh, NFL picks for Week 2. Okay, so now on to our next NFL topic. There are, now a lot of you may know, I am a certified psychic. I have seen the future many times over. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen, but I won't because I'm not... Sean McCoy, I don't believe in spoiling things. Um, But there are people who, you know, they say imitation is the purest form of flattery, right? There are people who try to impersonate psychics. And while I do appreciate it, a lot of times it can get, um, what's the word, annoying. So after just one week of NFL football, people think they know what's going to happen already. People think... They've already seen what the season's going to offer them. They think they know exactly how it's going to end. And I'm here to tell you, you don't. There's only one psychic, actually two. One of them is me. The other one is Tony Romo. 
and he also respects the value of not spoiling things, it's a precious gift, and it's important that you do not, um, excuse me, abuse that power. So, you're not a psychic, you don't know what's going to happen, I am, and I do. So I'm here to tell you, there were plenty of overreactions from week one. Just because you saw one game in one week of the NFL does not mean you know what's going to happen next. It does not mean it's going to happen even one game over. And so here are your overreactions from just the first week. And again, I can't stress this enough. It was just, and I get, I get where people are coming from. They've waited so long, almost like six to seven months. For, NF- for the NFL to come back. And they finally get it. And so they can't help but just go nuts for it. I get it. But that's a sign. You know. You're not a certified psychic. Because we. Us in the guild. Know. When not to overreact. And we know when things are. Um, worth overreacting for. So here we go. The first one. And this may. Um, upset you. Because again. You think you're right. But you're wrong. And that makes you dangerous. Lamar Jackson. I know this is going to infuriate a lot of people. Is Lamar Jackson a bum? No. I will flat out say he's a bum if he were a bum. In fact, I'll do it right now. I have no, I have, um, no worries, for lack of a better word, um, in calling a player a bum if, in fact, he is so. I'll do it right now. Lonzo Ball. Bum. And that might be disrespectful to homeless people. But back to Lamar Jackson, not a bum, not a bust. However, is he going to play like that every single week of the year? No. Is he a good player? Yes. Stop overreacting. Yes, he had a monster day week one. He was fantastic. You fantasy owners that had Lamar Jackson probably had a real fun Sunday last week, but they were playing the Miami Dolphins, who are... I don't even know if we could legally classify them as a National Football League team anymore. Some, and by the way, someone needs to call them the Miami Dolphins. All they need to do is lose the game. They don't need to be absolutely humiliated and beaten by a historic margin to get the number one pick. All they have to do is lose by one point. That's it. If you lose by one, it counts the same if you lose by 49. Someone needs to get the Dolphins on the phone right now. And yes... Um, Lamar Jackson hit some, I mean, beautiful downfield throws, but they were wide open. Again, I'm not trying to discredit Lamar Jackson. He is a good player, a very fun player, exciting guy to watch. But this is not who the Ravens are. They're not the air raid downfield team. They're supposed to be the run first, the gritty, I mean, three down back type of team. The reason why they exposed Miami so much is because they were playing Miami. And it's not going to be like this every single week. Again, they were playing Miami. In Miami, warm weather, it's easy to sling the football down the field, especially when the corners you're going up against are playing for the Miami Dolphins. Over the course of the season, the weather's going to get colder, especially playing Baltimore. They're going to have to run the ball more. Lamar Jackson, will he have a fine year? Yes. Will they make the playoffs after last week? Possibly. Again, I'm not going to completely bail on my divisional picks because it's only one game. Um... But he's not going to play at this level every single week. It's just not going to happen. He's going to have a stinker here and there, maybe one, two, three weeks. I don't know. It's going to happen. Pump the brakes on Lamar Jackson just a tad. Okay, that's it. Just a tad. I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm not saying he's not good because he is. I'm saying let's just kind of slow down 
a little bit, okay? It's not going to happen all the time. They don't play the Dolphins 17 times this, this year, okay? It's just one time. One time, okay? Pump the brakes. Now to our second overreaction. And again, sticking in the AFC North here. Sticking with the theme of I'm not bailing and overreacting over one game. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Humiliated. They were beaten, I would say, worse. I think their loss was worse than the Dolphins' loss, only because we expect, we expect more from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Come on, especially me. Picked them to win the division. I expect a whole lot more from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I picked them to win the game last week. Um, that should show you how disappointing or how much I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not this bad. Okay, they're not 33-3 to bad. Were they bad on Sunday night? Absolutely, they were embarrassed flat out, out-coached, out-schemed, and out-personnelled. However, they were playing the New England Patriots, and they have a tendency to do those things to football teams. I don't think the Steelers are as bad as they showed on Sunday night. I think it was more of a case of Belichick having three or four months to game plan for one team. He's, been, he's known that they're going to play the Steelers since the schedule came out last season. He's been game planning I don't think the Steelers are as bad as they were on Sunday night. And again, with the Ravens, I feel going to take a step backward in in the near future. It's going to happen because they're not playing the Dolphins every single week. I think the Steelers will kind of get the ball rolling and they'll start to figure things out. I don't think that you don't, I don't think you can bury the Steelers. And again, how about this? If you want to bury teams after week one, how about we bury your precious Baker? Okay. Because he looked horrendous on Sunday as well. Am I ready to bury the Browns? No, but everyone was crowning the the Cleveland Browns. I almost said Cincinnati. The Cleveland Browns as Super Bowl champs during the preseason. They come out and they just, I mean, they quite frankly were playing like the wrong sport on Sunday. And I'm not ready to bury them. They'll they'll figure things out. They'll turn it around. I feel the Steelers will do the same. Don't bury the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner. This team is a little bit too talented to just flat out fail. The New England Patriots do that, do what they did to the Steelers. They do that to every team, okay? And they're going to continue to do that now that they have Antonio Brown, should he be eligible to play. And if not, they still have Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and some guy from Kansas City State who is likely going to lead the the league in in reception yards this year. Do not overreact. The Steelers are going to figure things out. And our last one, and maybe this one is the least overreacting of our overreactions, the Tyreek Hill injury. I've seen some mixed reviews on the television networks of ESPN concerning Tyreek Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs. Will this injury derail the Chiefs? Are their off- is their offense going to slow down? Um, will they not skip a beat? They hung up 40 against Jacksonville. They have a good defense. How good are the Chiefs? Listen, and honestly, this one is probably not even... You might side with me on this one. I think this one is the least egregious um, of overreactions. They're going to be fine. He left that game in the first quarter, and they still hung up 40 points. And in that off, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, that offense is going to thrive. If you add Tyreek Hill, yes, that just makes him even more dangerous, obviously. But I don't think this is going to hamper their production whatsoever. I'd be more concerned about Patrick Mahomes' ankle, and even still, I'm not overly concerned about that because he was able to come back and finish the game with that ankle sprain, whatever it may be. Um, it was a mild, 
quote-unquote ankle injury. He was able to come back in the game and then dominate for the rest of the way, so I don't, I'm not nearly as concerned about that. But if I were to be concerned about anyone, it would be about Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes were hurt, let's, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Tyreek Hill is fine. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. Then it, it would, all hell would break loose in Kansas City. They would be done. They would be absolutely finished if they didn't have Patrick Mahomes because he's that good. He's a fantastic player. Now, not to say that Tyreek Hill isn't as good as Patrick Mahomes. Well, he isn't. Um, but he does not mean nearly as much to that team as Patrick Mahomes does. And they have the personnel, both on the field and on the sidelines, to manage an injury like this. And he's not out for the year. He's just out for a few weeks. He will be back. The Chiefs, don't worry about it. Again, and actually, here's some fantasy tips for you. If you do not have Miko Hardman or no one in your league has Miko Hardman currently, jump on that now, immediately. He's going to take over on the number two spot. Sammy Watkins will slide into the number one receiver slot. And Miko Hardman is kind of like the Tyreek Hill um, mold, just downfield a big play type of receiver. that They're not going to skip a beat. And if you have Damian Williams, i.e. your boy Psychic Steve, he's going to have a large role as well because they're going to, have, they're going to need him in the passing game um, without Tyreek Hill. So I don't, there's, they have too many weapons. They have, they're way too smart um, for this to hamper and just and totally stall after one player um, being injured for a few weeks. They'll be fine. Don't worry about the Chiefs. And you probably weren't already, but there were some people I were seeing that were that were kind of concerned about Tyreek's own injury. Wish him a speedy recovery, but you're not even going to notice he's gone. I promise you. I really don't even... Not to say I don't care that he's hurt, but I don't care in the sense that it's it's not going to make a huge impact. They're, they're going to be just as dominant as they were last week and as they were last season. So I'm, I'm really not concerned with this at all. So there you go. Your overreactions. I get it. You're excited. We've all been there. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Those are your week one overreactions in the NF of L. And now on to the quote of the week. It's kind of a quick episode today. Nice. You know, I don't prefer the word quick. I prefer the word efficiency. That was highly efficient on my part. So you're welcome. Uh, on to the quote of the week. We do this every single week. We have to find the best quote from the past week. We put it at the end of the show. We call it the quote of the week. So here we go. And I said earlier at the top of the show, I have a love-hate relationship with this quote of the week. And I do. And I'm going to give you the quote first. And I'm going to tell you why I have a love-hate relationship with it afterwards. Quote, if it ain't one thing, it's another. Odell Beckham Jr. on the quote-unquote watch gate in the NFL. So, if you have not heard, let me give you the quick rundown. I'm sure you have heard because it's been all over the news for the past week and a half since since the, the Browns played. It's been ridiculous and we're kind of getting into the hate, the hate side of this love-hate relationship. Uh, Lamar Jackson, excuse me. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. wore a $350,000 watch during the game on Sunday. Um, not he didn't just wear it in pregame. He wore it while he was playing, and it was not a diamond encrusted watch or anything like that. It didn't look like the Big Ben Tower in London. It was literally. It looked like it was a plastic watch. I'm not even talking down to Odell Beckham Jr. because if someone can afford a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar watch, that's not the person you really want to be making fun of. Yeah, but it was a plastic watch. I mean, just factually speaking, it was made of plastic, which is interesting because it costed. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
my my Power Rangers watch, I mean, that was like 50 cents at a yard sale, made of the same material, but I digress. Um, he wore the watch, and they got blown out. They were embarrassed, were the Browns against Tennessee. At home, it was, it was ugly. Um, and so everyone just starts ripping Odell Beckham Jr. Not for his play, not for a snarky comment after the game, but because he wore, get ready for this, a watch during the game. Is that, That's really what we're talking about this week. And here's where the love-hate comes into play. I hate this because this is stupid. This is a nothing story. And we've had several, and I get angry at these nothing stories. And usually most of these come out during the summer because people are just trying to create headlines. And it really doesn't happen during the fall when there's football and there's, there's regular season games going on and football, a basketball eventually, and you have the World Series going on in October. You usually don't see these non-stories during the NFL regular season. But we have one here after week one. And I hate it because it was all over TV for a, the entire week. Odo Beckham Jr. wore a watch. That's not good. Like, no, everyone was just going off and just was beside themselves because of this watch. And here's where I love this story. Here comes the love part. This is <laughs> beyond refreshing when I talk about diva wide receivers. Odo Beckham Jr. didn't threaten to punch anyone in the face. He wore a watch. So if I'm forced to talk about a quote-unquote diva wide receiver or a, a um, yeah wide, a wide receiver making headlines for the wrong reasons, I'd much rather prefer to talk about a watch rather than Mr. Big Chest threatening to punch Mike Mayock, Mayock in the mouth. This is a refreshing headline. So that's the reason why I'm even deciding to entertain this story. Because it is a non-story, it is dumb, it is a waste of your and my time, but I will take this 10 times out of 10 over any Antonio Brown. It's actually refreshing. I, don't have to, I didn't have to mention Antonio Brown during the show. I did just to highlight why this story is even making the show, because it's not Mr. Big Chest. So I have a love-hate relationship with this story. Look, it's not a big deal, everyone. It's really not. And I think people are trying to highlight the watch as an excuse to distract people from the actual play of the Cleveland Browns, they looked, again, horrendous. They looked like another team who wears orange, also known as the UTEP Miners. They looked bad. They looked real bad. But again, it's week one. I'm not overreacting. Did they look horrendous? Again, yes. I've said it like six times in the last 30 seconds. I don't think they're that bad. I don't think that's going to be the case for the course of the season. Just a bad game right out of the gates. People like to overreact. But because the Cleveland Browns were so popular and so hyped up over the year, they kind of they want to distract people from their play. Hey, Odell Beckham Jr. is wearing an expensive watch. Let's kill him for that. Leave Odell Beckham Jr. alone. Since he's got to Cleveland, he's actually been pretty quiet. I mean, since other than when he was actually traded there, and you can't really blame him because it was news. He was traded to the Browns. People are obviously going to talk to him. Um, he's been rather quiet in Cleveland. You haven't really heard that much nonsense out of Cleveland from Odell Beckham Jr. specifically. So I'd like to applaud Odell Beckham Jr. While he wore this very expensive watch that is worth more than my existence as a human being, this isn't obnoxious. It's nothing. Everyone is wearing pads and a helmet. The only one that's at risk here is Odell Beckham Jr. because if it gets damaged, he's out on $350,000 
But I will add, if you're willing to wear a $350,000 watch to a football game, you're probably not too concerned with it being broken in the first place. Like, if I had a $350,000 watch, I would technically not have a $350,000 watch because I would never wear it. I would be so concerned with it being broken or really it being stolen. Really, That's really what I would be more concerned with. Or anything of the sort. I would never wear it. You wouldn't know I had it because I would never show or tell anybody. But that's me. Odo Beckham Jr. has the money to afford. He has the money to break $350,000 watches. This is not a big deal at all. It's a nothing story. And people were just over, I mean, head and shoulders. I mean, they were just, I can't even come up with an analogy how beside themselves people were. It was on TV all week long. They called it Watchgate. Who cares? Who the hell cares if Odell Beckham Jr. wears a watch? I don't care. And I get where the story is coming from. They're trying to distract people from their play. But I will entertain this story because it is not about Antonio Brown. And that's probably the biggest overreaction of the week. I was going to put this in the overreaction segment, but I said, no, let's save this for the quote of the week. Because he, he said it himself, if it's not one thing, it's another. He's literally done nothing. And they didn't lose because of OBJ. They didn't lose on Sunday because of him. And so whatever he, it doesn't matter what he does, the media is always going to try and attack him and find something to pick on him for. And so that's why I wanted to say this for the quote of the week. This was the biggest overreaction. Forget Lamar Jackson, forget the Steelers, whatever, anything else. This was the biggest overreaction of the week, a watch. That's really what people were talking about after, after the first Sunday. So that's going to take us to the end of this week's episode. Um, Make sure you keep your wrists clear because otherwise you will be arrested in the city of Cleveland. Um, Thanks for stopping by, everyone. Enjoy the games this week, and I will talk to you next time.